0: When God has a destiny for you, you've got to sort of give your mind to go where he has destined you to go. Four, five, seven, four, eight. The Reluctant King, Part One. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today, my brothers are out of town. Both Pastor James, Pastor C. Elijah, they're in Miami with their wives, and with my other brother Bernard and his wife, they're actually at a jazz festival there. And I know you say, "Well, what they're doing there at a the jazz festival?" Well, they were invited. We had the mayor of that area to come up to our show, and he invited everybody down, and he said, look, a city will pay your way. They'll pay for your tickets. They'll pay for your hotel. they just pay for everything. You know, and I just got finished preaching the series called More Abundance to Them Who Hath It Shall Be Added Unto. Sometimes when you don't even need the stuff, folks will just pay for you to go where, and just pay all your stuff. It's a principle of life, and I'm seeing as God gives messages to I'm seeing the things manifested. And today, it's the beginning of another short series. I still haven't been able to get back to the 12 most asked questions of Christians, but it's coming. And I can understand why I had to take a break in that series because those are some deep questions with that. And I was driving down in the country on my off day, had my top down, sun was beaming down, and I was in my Miata. I have a fairly new. MX5 Mazda Miata. But as I was driving through the country, I was wishing I was in my smart car. I had a smart car that I had for six years. The smart car is the smallest car in America. I first saw the car when I finished my first 42. And about 10 minutes after I finished 42, I was driving and this little bitty car drove up beside me and I just liked it. And I was talking to my brother James and I told him to look up that car and he said you're not going to believe the name of this car it's a smart car but it's called a smart 42 and actually it was f-o-r-t-w-o it's for two people because that's all it would fit and i went down the next day to the dealer saw it test drove it ordered one got it for six years i drove that smart car i was just crazy about the smart car but yet god spoke and he said after those six years he said i want you to buy the new miata it had not come out yet My wife and I went over to the dealer. I sat in the last year's model. And I said, baby, this thing tight. I can barely fit in this thing. Consumer Reports as the second worst car in America. They said for the value of it, it was terrible. It was loud. It rattled. It just all kind of had very poor acceleration. And I loved it. See, first of all, I don't give a hoot what other folks think. I liked it. See, sometimes life is like that. It's not what it is. Here I am driving around in the second worst car in America. And I'm just loving it because it's a matter of mindset. Now, I've had all kind of fancy cars. I've had all kind of powerful cars and luxury cars. Had all that kind of stuff. But here I am driving around in the second worst car in America just enjoying it. But God says, I want you to get to new Miata. So I got to new Miata. So here I am driving down the highway wishing I was in the smart car. This is the latest edition of Consumer Reports. Now, they've got here the top ten best cars in America. You know what's on the front? That's my car. That's the Miata that Consumer Reports has as the absolute number one car in America. When God elevates you, He elevates you. But the problem is this. I was wishing I was in my old car because I hadn't gotten the old car out of my system yet. And God began speaking to me. He said, how can I take you to a Rolls Royce and I can't get you comfortable in the Miata? And he said, I want you to talk today on the subject of what I told you to study. And while I was driving, he said, I want you to study the reluctant king. He said, because this is very similar to where you are. The reluctant king. And he said, study the reluctant king and you talk about that because I have other reluctant kings within the sound of your voice. So that means there are at least two people right now within the sound of my voice and you're fitting the category of the reluctant king. Now the reluctant king was a man whom God had chosen to be king but he didn't want to be king. That king was Saul. And God had sent through Samuel that Saul was to be the king but Saul didn't want anything to do with it. And I understand that I've learned not to judge or criticize characters in the Bible because often when you're placed in that same position, you do the same thing they did. And I understand it. And you say, well, why wouldn't you want to be king? Pastor, why don't you want to elevate to certain levels? First of all, the big thing about it is comfort. And one of the things when I walk into this church, oh, this church is beautiful. I've gone to a lot of churches. I haven't been to any churches just prettier than this. It's just nice. It's comfortable. It's warm. I'm used to it. Every time I walk into the sanctuary, it's just gorgeous. I love it just like I did the smart car. But God is saying, I'm trying to get you elevated to a higher level. There are some people out there right now listening to me. God is trying to elevate you, but you're comfortable. Comfort is the worst thing in the world to advancement. Because when you're comfortable, there's no hunger. I remember with the Rocky series, it was called the Eye of the Tiger. And when Rocky was champion, once you have become champion, once it's no longer a novelty to you, once you become used to it, there's no hunger for advancement, and you lose the Eye of the Tiger. And you get comfortable, you get laid back, and you get lazy. And yet God wants to advance some of you, but he cannot do it. Because you're fitting the category of the reluctant king. And he says, study the reluctant king. And when I got through, it was so much behind it because it was more behind it than meets the eye. It begins in 1 Samuel chapter 8, first verse. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his son judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second Abijah. There were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say for you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also... Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. The first thing is I begin to really study into the story of the reluctant king. Number one was God was reluctant to put a king over them in the first place. He didn't want the people to have a king. God wanted to rule over the people directly, but the people said, nope. Give us a king like all of the other nations. But it went deeper than that. As you study the story, it wasn't really just that the people just wanted a king. At the time when you understand the structure of the political and the religious order of Israel, they didn't have a king. They had a high priest. And the high priest was the religious leader and he was the judge. He was in effect the king who God spoke through, who talked to the people, but the problem was Samuel's sons were out of order. His sons were doing evil, and God knew it, and the people knew it. And as I dug into the story more, if you know the story of Samuel, Samuel's mother was Hannah. Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah who had two wives, Hannah and Penanah. Penanah had a whole bunch of children. Hannah was barren. And Hannah was barren because the Bible says God had closed up her womb. So she pleaded with God so much. And when she went up to see the prophet Eli, and she was just crying and mumbling to God, and Eli thought she was drunk. And she said, no, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm praying because I'm barren. So Eli spoke a word over her, and she made a promise that if she were able to have a son, she would dedicate it back to God. That son who she had was Samuel. So that was Samuel's history. So she gave Samuel basically to Eli to mentor. So Eli became Samuel's mentor. But the problem was Eli's sons became wicked. Eli's sons were wicked. Eli trained Samuel and Samuel's sons were wicked. So you had two sets of extremely powerful prophets, and when you look at what happened when Saul went to Samuel, and then Samuel prophesied to Saul, he told, it's a long story, it's good to just read First Samuel to read the story, but in a nutshell, Saul's daddy's donkeys were lost and Saul and the servant went looking for the donkeys. They couldn't find the donkeys and they said, well, Daddy's going to start worrying about us. And the servant said, well, there's a prophet over in the other town. He'll be able to tell us where our donkeys are. So they went to the prophet looking for the donkeys. And when they got to Samuel, Samuel said, you're here looking for your donkeys. Your donkeys are all right. The donkeys are going to be found by the time you get back. But this is what I need to tell you. God says you're supposed to be king over all of Israel. And then he told him about three or four things. He said you're going to go over here. It's a person like this going to come and they're going to tell you this. He went through some real specific details of what was going to happen to Saul. Everything he said happened just like he said. This was specific. It wasn't generalized prophecy. It was highly specific prophecy. They were extremely gifted men of God. But the root of why... The people wanted a king was not just because they wanted a king. It was because the preacher's kids were bad. So as I began to study into this thing heavy, it got deep. They wanted a king because Eli's kids had gone bad. And they said Eli's kids were messing with the money, messing with the women, and messing with the sacrifice. And then when they got to Samuel's kids, Samuel's kids who were the priest at the time, they were messing with the money and doing all kind of evil stuff. So the first problem that I saw with the reluctant king is, there was a reason why the folk wanted a king. The reason why the folk wanted a king was because they could not trust the church. And when I saw that, I said, whoa. And it became a lesson to all folk who are in leadership you got to get your own house in order first and God brought judgment against both Eli and Samuel Eli's kids he just killed them he just flat out killed them and you know sometimes the reputation that PK's have preachers kids and sometimes the reputation is that preachers kids are sometimes the worst kids in the church and many times there are reasons for that but as I begin the first part of this thing I said my goodness that thing rooted out of the preacher's house. And that's why the people did not want the priest over them because the priests were corrupt. Because the preacher's kids were not right. My daddy always used to say, because he had six boys, so he would always say when people would want to give him advice about his children, he said the first thing he would ask, how did your children turn out? The first question he wanted. how did your children turn out? So if your children didn't turn out too good, don't give me any advice about my... My daddy was a plain and he was a simple man, but that man had a lot of wisdom. So the first thing that I saw rooted back, and see, that's why when you study almost anything, there are no accidents. There's a root cause of virtually everything, whether or not you can see it or not. There's a root cause of the thing. And if you know the details enough, you begin to be able to see the root cause. So you have to first of all ask the question, and I have to be careful as I study the reluctant king first thing i got to make sure is my own house doesn't go out of order and that's not easy it was not easy these are men who had a much greater prophetic ability and a much more direct communication with god than i do so how do you keep your own house from getting out of order just because you are in ministry that doesn't stop your own house from getting out do you know preachers have just as high a rate of divorce as everybody else So it doesn't help you just because you are a preacher. That does not stop you from getting divorced. That does not stop your kids from going, hey, why? So the first thing I saw in the reluctant king, and often when God tells you something, is more in the thing than you think. So for those of you, number one, and you feel and you know God has told you about a higher level, first thing you have to make sure is you got your home foundation straight. Because if you don't, you go to the level of Eli. You go to the level of Samuel where they were the literal kings in the land. But yet their children and their offspring, they produced so much evil that the people didn't want any part of the church. They said, look, just send us a king. Because we're tired of this Hophnius and Phinehas. Just send us a king. We're tired of these preacher boys. Stuff is not new. And the very thing that was messing them up, money. And women. Them things mess you up. They just mess you up. And money and women will just mess you up. And see, money is an interesting thing. Even as I was sitting here and the offering was being taken, I heard God speak something. And this is what he said. He said, Every person in this congregation in financial distress has not done what I told them to do with their money in terms of their giving. I said, Lord, that's a rough statement but I'll repeat what he said. I ain't going to back down for you. He said, every person in this congregation in financial distress has not done what I told them to do with their money, with their giving. And see, we have to obey and be obedient in every area of our life. See, Eli and Samuel did not do what they were supposed to do in their homes with their children. And I can understand how you can get pulled away because when you're in ministry... They were literally leaders, not just of a church, of a whole nation. So people would pull from them from right and left, and they didn't have time to teach and to train their children. And as a result, the world taught and trained them. And they saw some other things. So when they got in position of power, they didn't follow daddy. They followed the world. And that was the behavior of the world. So when we are getting ready to move to another level in life, we got to first of all make sure some foundations are straight at home and they were prophets. You know what Jesus said about a prophet in his home? Jesus says this, a prophet is without honor save in his own home. Basically what he said he got honor everywhere else but in his own house. You know why Jesus said that? Because he could not do any miracles in his own home place. Because he did not have the respect at home that he had out in the world. I don't know what was in Eli's and Samuel's home. It doesn't mention their wives at all. I don't know what was going on in their homes. But I do know this. The children did not turn out right. And they had the most powerful fathers in the whole land. So just because you are hearing from God, just because you are connecting with God, does not mean your house is going to be straight. Because they were more connected than anybody I've ever seen. When you go and read the stuff that Samuel told Saul and how specific that stuff was, this man had a prophetic gift like nothing I've ever seen. So it doesn't mean that just because you're connected that your stuff's going to be together. Sometimes you just got to have some practical time and wisdom placed. We hold a study at the house several days a week. We had to study last night. and, And in the study... My oldest son has just written his first book. So the first thing I asked, the book has been out in there about three weeks. So I asked, how many of you here have read his book? Guess how many read his book? A prophet is without honor in his own home. So here was the brother. None of the sons had read the brother's book. So I said, look, for the study tonight, I am just going to read the introduction to El's book. So I began reading the introduction. When I finished the introduction, the youngest son, George, said, he said, wow, he said, El is a lot wiser than I thought. (laughs) And then Christian, Christian said, did El write that all by himself? (laughs) They were so amazed at the wisdom and the quality of the book just from the introduction, but they had never read it. In their own house, and we've been teaching them about reading and how to start, but they hadn't read their own brother's book. See, it's a principle that you have on everywhere else, but in your own house, folks won't read your own stuff. So it's not unusual, but we have to, if we're going to go to that next level, it's like building a building if the foundation is not strong. The winds that come along will blow the building over. And trust me, people, winds will come. It's the reluctant king. And the reluctant king began not with Saul. It began with Eli and Samuel who did not train their children properly. That's where it began. For those of you who've got children, how are you training your children? Because they're going to look like you. There's no two ways about it. When your kids get they all, hey, they're going to look like you in one form or another. See, actually what Eli's and Samuel's children look like, they didn't look like them. They look like their neglect. That's what happened. Sometimes you have great daddies and the children are sorry as I don't know what because the daddy hadn't trained them. And as a result, the daddies are great, but the children are sorry because daddy hadn't trained them. The reluctant king. And he says, there are those within the sound of your voice today who are reluctant kings. God wants to take you to an elevation that to be honest about it is sometimes scary and it's way out of our comfort zone. And if you don't understand God's destiny for you, you don't even want it like Saul didn't want it. And I'll go into what happened with Saul. I just wanted to give you the background today because I couldn't cover all this in one message. I just want to give you the background today of just Why, first of all, the folk wanted a king. They wanted a king because the church had not done right. That's why they wanted a king. They wanted a king because they could not trust the preachers. That's why they wanted a king. They wanted somebody out in the world to tell them what to do because they could not trust the church to tell them what to do. That was the real reason. And God told Samuel, he said, look, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. But it was God's agent who his word was coming through. And the agents had become corrupt. So how do we even, first of all, recognize if we're reluctant kings? And if I were to ask for a show of hands right now, of how many people within the sound of my voice has God really placed it in your heart, and you know that God has a greater destiny for you? But see, always that's one. I didn't even ask any hands to go up. They already started going up, and you know God has a greater destiny for you, but with a greater destiny. It's always a hill. It's always a mountain. It's always something that you have to climb. When God gives you a greater destiny, it is without exception outside of your comfort zone. So he is telling you to get up, go, do, learn, be. And God is speaking all this into you, but we're laying there with the remote control and we just don't want to move because we're comfortable. And comfort is the worst thing in the world To get somebody to do something when they really don't want to do it. When they really have no motivation to do it. When they really have no stress, no strain. There's nothing aching. There's no bills overdue. Everything's running smooth. When everything is running smooth, do you know it's hard to get folk to move and do something differently? You have to sometimes upset a person's world. And that's why God is going to have to stir some of your worlds. That stirring is going to look like the devil. But it's God. It's going to look like the devil. But it's God. See, that's why with Hannah, the Bible says, and God closed her womb. But it made Hannah so desperate for a child that she went to the prophet and said, Look, if God just gives me a child, I will give this child back to God. Now see, Penanah, she had plenty of children. She wasn't thinking about giving any of her children to God. She had plenty of children. It was only when God shut the womb of the woman that it changed her focus. That's why with some of you, God has to close some stuff up. He has to put you in some stress and some strain because you will not do what God really wants you to do otherwise. And first of all, let me tell you all people, I know that from personal experience because I'm that way myself. I'm dealing with some stuff right now, to be honest with you. I wish I didn't have to deal with but I'm dealing with it. Because it's the only way God can get me to do what I need to do. So he put some stress and some strain on saying, said, I told you to do this. Now, if you won't do it the easy way, you're going to do it the hard way. Some of us, by omission, are walking the difficult, hard path. But I believe that there are at least two folk. Now, I saw more than two hands go up. But I know there's at least two people who are reluctant kings. God is supposed to take you to places and to things, but you're just as happy in that little bitty old rattle trap that you got. And nothing wrong with driving a little bitty old rattle trap. Nothing wrong with it. But it is something wrong with it when God has destined you for something else. And see, that's the difference. It is something wrong with it if God has destined you for something else. I was happy in every home that I lived in. Right now, we live in a mansion. I'm not ashamed of it. We live in a mansion. God told me to get it. And I had a prophet that's come to me later and told me, "Say your son George, when he was born, he's the only child has been born in that house. And she said, God told me that George had to be born on a mansion. He couldn't even be born on a regular. He's got wisdom beyond anything I've ever seen. Sometimes God will have to move your place of abode in what you drive for different reasons that you don't even understand. And you may not even want it. I've got situations of where God has promised some stuff. James and I were in business together and he said, look, I'm going to send you a load of money. And when you get this load of money, you got to buy two identical cars just like this. He gave me the name. The cars not even out yet. He said, but when I send you the money, you must promise you got to buy you one and you got to buy James one. And they must be identical. The only thing different on these cars is one digit on the license plate and the VIN number. And those are some expensive cars. But as soon as he sent it, he said, you'll know I sent it. You'll know it's supernatural. There'll be no question about it. First thing you're going to do, you're going to go buy them cars. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't even want the car. I really don't. I don't even want it. Now I'm just as happy in the out as I can be. When God has a destiny for you, you've got to sort of give your mind to go where he has destined you to go. What has God placed within your spirit of where you're supposed to be? But you know you've got to get up and go get it and do it to get there. What has he placed in your heart? I won't be here at movie night that's coming up this Friday because I'm going to be in Savannah. You know what I'm going to be doing in Savannah? I'm running another 13.1 marathon. That's what I'm doing. Because he spoke, you shall run this every other month. I didn't do it last year. I was supposed to run one every other month. I ran two. So I only did one third. See, I have problems with this stuff. But now he's putting more pressure on me. And I got to do it. I pray that those of you where God has been speaking to your spirit, that you need to move to another level that you heed his voice and do it so you don't have to go through the pressures of being forced to do it or else you miss out on what God has for you because there's so much stuff that many of you are supposed to have and you never had it because you didn't do what God told you to do about in the first place and you don't even know what you've missed because you didn't do what God told you to do it's just like what he told about that money Some of you are in distress and you have not done what he told you to do with that money. And now you're in distress and you got every other reason in the world why you think the distress is. But see, when you disobey what God tells you to do, it doesn't usually just bring one curse. It brings a multitude of curses on it. And I've seen that too much in my own life. That's why I said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm scared of God. I ain't scared of y'all. I'm scared of God. I really am. And I, I I read his word. He is the most merciful and graceful God. But, and it's that but that's the problem. Once he gives you a certain amount of grace and mercy, is not eternal, is not endless, it's got a limit to it. And after that comes a judgment or it comes a change of tactic. It's like your parents used to tell you. You appeal to the head. And if it doesn't work appealing to the head, you appeal to what? You appeal to the hide. And that's what parents have to do. It's the same thing God has to do. There are some kings out there. There may be some kings listening to me right now on the internet or queens. And God wants to take you to another level. But we are reluctant to do and to go where he wants to take us. Simple as that. We are reluctant to do and to go where he wants to take us. And when we are reluctant, we don't get What God has in store for us. I believe God is not a God of lack. He's not a God of sickness. He's not a God of misery. Everything I read about God. When the people are in obedience. Blessings flow. Blessings flow. And I believe we're supposed to be blessed beyond measure. Beyond what we can even ask or think. But we got to get in obedience. And right now I'm going to ask. I don't do a whole lot of just calling out for touches because a touch is not going to do it. And all of us want this easy stuff. That stuff don't work 99.9% of the time. It is only a doorway for you to walk through. But if you know God is calling you to a higher level from where you are right now, and you're supposed to be here, but there are some things for whatever reason you have just been hesitant and don't want to do. I understand it because I'm going to be the first one to step down. I understand it. There's some stuff I just... To be honest, but even the big church does not excite me because it's got more issues with it. That's more folk you got to deal with. You really do. If you got 200 folk versus 2,000 folk versus 20,000 folk, if you got 20,000 folk versus 200, that's a 100 times more folk. It's a 100 times more folk with issues and problems that you got to deal with. And sometimes that's why preachers, their own families get so messed up because they spending so much time with all the church folk. So the more folk you get, the more folk, Pastor, can I see you? Pastor, I got this wrong. All that stuff. I'm not in a hurry for all that. I'm just being real. So I am comfortable. I am not in a hurry for all folks' issues. Because 99% of the time, when folk want to see the pastor, it ain't a praise report. (laughs) 99% of the time, it's not a praise report. So you got to deal with all this stuff from all these folks. I'm not any here, but I said, this is where I want to take you. Even though it may have some stress with it that I may think. But people, I can tell you, there's going to be a lot more stress staying where you're not supposed to be. A lot more stress. So for those of you right now, and you know that God has placed it on your heart, that you are supposed to be beyond where you are right now. I want you to stand up and I just want you to come down front and all of us just together just make a declaration about where we're going to go. About where we want to go. And first I want us to start at home. Because that's where Samuel and that's where Eli messed up. We start at home. And that is sometimes your most difficult place to start. I want you to raise your hand. And I want you to take your fish like you're grabbing on to a bar. And you're getting ready to do what's called a pull-up. Pull-up is one of the most effective exercises for increasing upper body definition and strength. But a pull-up is hard. A pull up is hard in the ringo, a pull up is hard. We've got pull up bars downstairs in the fellowship hall. It is hard because you have to pull your own body weight up and all your clothes. And it's hard to do a pull up, but it becomes even hard just to even hold your hands up because they become tired. And sometimes the journey appears long, it looks like we're not making progress. But people a breakthrough is a journey. And too often we want it too easy to be born. I'm not going to touch anybody. No, no, no. This is within your own mind, your own spirit. It's God speaking directly to you. God has spoken the way you're supposed to be, but it's things that he has told us to do. Some of the things he's spoken directly, some of the stuff just in his Word. You don't need to hear a word from God. It's in his Word, but you do need to read it so you know what's there. Dear Heavenly Father, those who are here right now, those who are listening or watching electronically, And they are reluctant kings and reluctant queens. You have called them to a higher level. You have called them to do more, to be more, to have more, to think more, to praise more. Father, to be more full of you. You have called them to an entirely different level than where they are. And yet for one reason or another, we have not moved. And Father, sometimes we have not moved to tomorrow's blessings because we are still comfortable in the blessing you gave us yesterday. Father, right now we command tomorrow's blessing to come forth. We command that which you have ordained for us. And Father, you have placed it within our grasp, but we have to reach up and grab it. Father, right now, as we symbolically lift our arms up, and, and yay, yeah, we may get tired, but even if we get tired, we just reach higher. We lock our arms and say, Father, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to fall back. I'm not going to drop down. Father, I recognize where you are calling me. I accept your call upon my life right now and the destiny you have for me. Father, I believe That truly you have blessed everyone who has done your will. And in your will there is nothing but blessing. Outside of your will there is nothing but cursing. Father I command right now. To my own spirit. That I shall do and I shall not be the reluctant king. If you have called me to be a king. I step to the throne. If you have called those here who are female to be a queen, let them step to the throne. Yes. What you have called me to be, I accept without complaint, without fear, without reservation, and without hesitation. I believe it in my soul, for that which you call me to, there can be no evil in. There may be evil folk around, they may be obstruction. There may be destruction to my left and to my right, but it will not come nigh me. As long as I walk within your will and within your way, I pray and I command right now that the blessings shall come as I am obedient. As I step to the throne, the reluctant king shall take the seat of the throne. In thy son Jesus' name, we command the angels and we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, 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 and amen. You may be seated, amen. I can feel that in my shoulder. That was a whole workout all in the, and See, that's the difference. When God directs you, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it, but that's all right. You'll be in better shape. This is a part we have to understand, people. You can't build muscles without resistance. You just can't do it. So what you are feeling now of just when you go to kingship it puts a greater weight on your shoulders. Don't you know the president now as much as we may criticize whoever's in the presidential office don't you know the president got more stuff on his shoulders than you do? Now he may not be right but he's got more on his shoulders than we do. He's got more to do in a day than we have to do in a week. So when you move into kingship It puts more stuff on your shoulders. But you can always judge the character of a man by whether he would have a light load or a strong back. Kings have strong backs. So some of the things that God is even sending you through or will send you through will prepare you for the office. It will prepare you for the role. It will prepare you for where you're supposed to go. It will keep you humble When God blesses you with all of the stuff. And I had issues. Every car that I have has been ordainly, divinely spoken. Everything I drive, my Lexus. I was driving down car parkway when I just heard going to Lexus dealer. I walked in there. There was this bright red, big Lexus SUV. He said, buy that car within 24 hours. I went over and I looked at it. I looked at all the specs on it. They had a new feature called the forward collision thing, which means it would stop you if somebody stopped in front of you didn't hit the brakes. I said, I want that feature. This car doesn't have that feature. And I'm going to spend all this money to get this car. I want to get the one that's got the feature that will stop itself automatically in case somebody stops in front of me and I'm texting somebody on my phone, don't see them. I won't run. I'm just being straight with you. I said, I want that feature. God says, who do you think can protect you more? That feature or me? I bought the car. So everything God has, when you list, he'll ordain every, whether it's the littlest car in America or whether it's a Rolls Royce. And see, the thing about it, I become comfortable at whatever extreme God sends me to. So he teaches me how to be humble and smart, but also that lesson will teach me how to be humble in a Rolls Royce or a private jet. I've got a picture of a private jet in my office right now. I'm going to get one. Because I'm going to have a whole lot of stuff, got a whole lot of places to go, got a whole lot of stuff to do. I'm going to get a private jet one day. And I don't care what folks think about it. I didn't care what they thought about the smart. So if I didn't care when folks said, what are you doing in that little bitty car, I'm not going to care when they said, what are you doing in that big car. So simple as that. My joy is not dependent on what folks think. And that's one of the first things you're going to have to get free of to rise is your joy cannot be dependent on what folk think. Your joy needs to depend on what God thinks about you, not what other folk. Huge, huge difference, and it will change your behavior. So if you do stuff, you don't think, what folk going not think if I do this? What will God think if I do this? Or what will God think if I don't do this? That changes everything. And when you read through the Bible, About the kings. And God always placed the king on the throne. That's why I'm not worried about who's in the presidency. God always places the king on the throne. But most of the kings of the Bible. Did evil in the sight of the Lord. Most of the kings. So when God elevates you to kingship. You have to make sure. That you are not like most of the kings of the Bible. Who did evil in the sight of the Lord. I'll continue on with this series on some of the features, but I believe it's going to be impactful. It's not going to be real emotional, but it's liable to change our worlds, especially for those who are due for elevation. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the kings and queens who are present. For we are a royal priesthood. And you have ordained us to be kings and queens from the womb. Help us to recognize our destiny and to boldly and fearlessly go where you have ordained us to go. But more importantly, Father, for you could give us this in a snap. Help us to be worthy and ready so that elevation does not destroy us. And that we don't become like so many of the kings in the Bible. Once you placed them on the throne. They forgot you. And did what they wanted to do. They did their will. Instead of your will. Help us to always. Do. Your. Will. And to take your son into our heart. And let his wisdom and words. And love spread to the world. In Thy Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was part one of the series titled The Reluctant King by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5748. That's 5748. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 5748 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the the Word.